welcome to The Spoken Nerd, the podcast for database professionals. I'm your host, Connor McDonald, and in this episode, I'll keep chatting to Dom Giles, long-term Oracle legend in the community, about his thoughts on the Oracle database. In this episode, we'll talk about what my favorite version was, and also how features come into the Oracle database, and how customers can request the features that they'd like to see. Let's continue on chatting with Dom. We often get pushback. Certainly, you know, my Twitter DMs often light up with, why did Oracle build this? Why, why do they do it this way? Why have they built this particular functionality? I just want to let listeners know, I don't know this for a fact, but I'm pretty confident. A bunch of people don't sit in a room going, yeah, we've had no feedback from customers. Let's just invent some, imagine some stuff and see if we can throw it together. I can be pretty confident that the only things we build is because someone out there has said, we need this. Yeah. This 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 is critical for our business. And sure, I'm often I'm sure we take things and run with them. But the reality is, I think every company, Oracle included, builds things in response to customer demand, right. as yeah. opposed to just throwing things at the wall and kind of having some fun. Yeah, absolutely. Although the model clause, yeah. the model clause, maybe is. No, I shouldn't. <laughs> no, I mean, it, 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 I mean, I think in some respects, it's, it's an interesting conversation. We could have a whole a podcast just on why features exist and the history behind some of the features and who asked for them. Well, we maybe couldn't say who asked for them. I think that would be, you know, because we don't put the blame on anyone else. But yeah, Oracle is incredibly focused on delivering what customers ask for. Now, whether that fee come back for direct integration. Now, clearly there is the case to be made that whoever shouts loudest basically wins in that particular race. So yeah, you do end up with situations where perhaps uh, looking back on it, it was because someone was shouting very loudly for a piece of functionality that it got implemented. And looking back on it, perhaps we could have let that go. At, at that time, the decisions were actually made. And I think I, I, I would struggle to find any feature inside of Oracle that was based on just because a developer thought it would be interesting. I can't think of many like that. But I'm sure that my colleagues or um, indeed some ex-Oracle employees always say, I know about six or seven. But that's the nature of uh, an organization. But we generally, all of the big features have come from custom feedback. And I remember the multi-tenant, you know, the meetings that were actually held there, it was purely based on customer feedback and around consolidation. And the vision that the customer defined at that stage is very close, very, very close to what we actually ended up delivering. So and you, you can go back all the way from Oracle A onwards and see that the functionality that was placed inside of the Oracle database was almost 100% driven by customer requirements. But yeah, it does lead to situations where when you actually deliver it to a customer, they're like, well, actually, it's not quite what I wanted, which is the classic, you know, swing on a tree type analogy of, you know, this is what I expected and this is what you've delivered. And how to admit, in, in our own defense, it's funny how it's very easy to have a, a siloed view of that. And I experienced that to my own humiliation once when I think around about Oracle 12, we introduced, I think it was temporary undo. Oh, I might've been even before that. Anyway, I, I gave a talk and I was doing you know my standard 12 C new features talk and went through some cool stuff, online move, all this kind of stuff and pattern matching. And I said, we have this thing called temporary undo and I explained what it was about. And I said, I can't think of any real reason why this might be useful. Anyway, let's move on. And this is that siloed approach. I couldn't think of a reason. So I'm going, this, this feature is rubbish. The talk finishes. This guy comes like marching up to the front. And I'm going, oh, this doesn't look good. And he's going, we have been waiting for temporary undo 
five years. This is going to transform our business. This is the greatest thing ever. And then proceeded to explain to me how in active data gap. Active data card, yeah. Exactly, yeah, that ability to then be able to consume redo because you have temporary undo. And like he's going, you know, we're loading up temporary tables. This is an absolute game change. This is so fantastic. And I'm like, okay, I understand now. Like for, for anyone using Active Data Guard, this is a game changer. I'm up here going, yeah, can't really see a use for it. Doesn't sound very useful, but uh, it's so easy to criticize a feature because it doesn't fit in your silo. But for someone else, it could be fantastic. And I think that's the difference, right? You know, Oracle has got hundreds of thousands of customers worldwide. And what a feature useful for one particular customer will have no relevance to 10,000 other customers. So it's very difficult uh, when you actually take a look. And we get so much feedback. Thousands and thousands of enhancement requests still come in uh, every month for your Oracle database. And so it's difficult for us to go through and, and, and choose which one to pick and which one comes prioritization. We spend a lot of time doing that sort of work. Speaking of enhancement requests, one thing I want to encourage our listeners to do, if you go to community.oracle.com, I think, and just search for database ideas. We have a particular, once you've navigated your way through the, um, our interesting forum pages, you'll find stumble across thing called database ideas. The reason I want to shout that out to listeners, and I'll, I'll put a link in the show notes, was not just so you can add your own ideas there, which we, Dom and I both encourage you to do so, but the fact that a lot of people have been vocal on Twitter and other social media saying, we've logged ideas and they never seem to get actioned. I'd like people to go to the database ideas page because I went there recently to have a look and see where we're at. And I want you to sort them by top. So basically sort them by the number of people that voted for their particular feature and take the top, say 20, and click on each one. And you'll see at the end of each one, a whole chunk of them being delivered. And even the ones that say currently pending, I've annotated most of them to put what release they're coming or sometimes it still says pending, but we actually have delivered it. I don't have the rights to update it to deliver it. But out of the 20, I think about 15 of the top 20, 15 have either been delivered or they're coming in an upcoming release and they're actively in the current beta. So for those people who are out there giving me crap about, oh, you don't action them, rest assured. That's their job, though, though Connor. That's literally what they should be doing to you. <laughs> I, I, want, I want them to eat their words because I went through and, yeah, I was actually very pleasantly impressed to see that we've been focused on those top elements. You know, there, there's hundreds of yeah. ideas in there, but, but the ones that have been top voted on, the ones that are desperate by the community, are almost all either delivered or in the process of being delivered. So I'm uh, pretty proud of that. Congrats to you, Connor, and, and uh, you know Chris, and, and all of the other guys who are you know engaging with the community. We are listening, and clearly, it comes down to resources and prioritization of features. You know, we don't have an infinite number of developers that can actually focus on uh, every feature, and so we are trying to get to um, as many as we can. You'll certainly see in the upcoming release, you know, which I'm sure we'll talk about a bit later. That I think we've made big inroads into picking up some of those features. Yeah, it, it's difficult. Uh, it's difficult getting to all of them. Some of them, you know, we'd love to do. Um, and it's just down to... Time time and money. Time and money. And we will get to all of them. I mean, 100%. Ultimately, we'll get to all of those features. So it's not wasted. And, you know, whenever you do bump into myself or Connor or, uh, you know, Chris or Gerald or Maria at a conference, it is so worth spending the time engaging with them and, like, you know, shaking a tree and pressing for a feature that you really think is worth actually having or make a difference. And... But I would encourage people to think about, is a feature just a quality of life or something that will really change and be transformational inside of your database usage? And if it's one of those transformational ones, then yeah, absolutely. If you don't see it, 
keep shouting us. And I'd say it comes back to that story of whoever shouts loudest tends to win the day uh, when it comes to innovation. Not right. Uh, here's me talking about quiet giants. But uh, ultimately, it would be nice to think that we could implement every feature. But again, there is a resource and prioritization process. And for those listening, Dom's home address is. No. <laughs> <And>, uh... <laughs> As you get the, the picket line out front. Yeah, exactly. We want, we want. <laughs> just just to finish off the favorite releases, I'll probably just finish off and say my favorite release probably was 11.2, but there's a very personal story behind that. I attempted an upgrade on a on AIX uh, on 11.1 on a rack system, very early version of 11.1, hadn't been patched. That was a, an upgrade where we pretty much ended up in the fetal position under the desk having to phone the CEO saying that we weren't going to be up the next day. Oh. And then, so when the when the same upgrade came around going to 11.2 and it went much, much smoothly, I was like, this is the greatest release of the database ever known to man. So there is a there is a personal bias there. I, I think any release where you actually have a personal success on is going to clearly uh, win you over. <laughs> it's going to be a winner. We spoke about favorite releases and, and there's Oracle 10, Oracle 9, Oracle 12, et cetera, Oracle 11. But all of those were many, many years apart. And recently we've changed that release model. And we originally went quite aggressively to looking at almost doing things yearly, but that was almost overkill for our customers. They were like, my God, you know, turn off the faucet, please. You know, we're getting swallowed up here with, with the releases. So we, we batched that out and meant to a bit more, bit more gap between them. The release model in terms of innovation versus long-term, what are your thoughts on that? Do you, but do you, do you like the idea of, of having the two sort of concepts of innovation long-term or should we just basically pump out releases every two years? Or So here's the thing. And when you've got a piece of infrastructure like a database and it's key to your, and uh, any database, right? But any of our databases or any, indeed, or any of our competitors, it's key to the, data is key the lifeblood of any organization. So any change to it has substantial impact across an organization. So everyone is rightly wary of change when it comes to uh, databases. I you know, hear from other people say, oh, you shouldn't be afraid of upgrading. Uh, it, it is a big change and it's a big commitment for organizations. And so clearly being a product manager, you know, one of my things I love doing is getting new features into the hands of end users. Arguably, it's my very job to try and encourage customers to use new features and to, you know, take feedback from them. So I love new stuff um, and I love getting new stuff out as quickly as I possibly can. But we are in a difficult situation. You know, any big change we make has an impact to mission critical infrastructure all over the world. And um, so we have to be very cautious when it comes to those things. So long-term releases ha have a role to play, but at the same time, there's nothing worse the, the, being a development organization, it doesn't matter whether a database is not um, actually sitting on features for a long period of time. Because once you finish a feature, you actually want to get it in the hands of the customers as quickly as you can. You want to make sure the feature is actually tested and sweated and there are no problems that, that can occur. And so waiting every you know three or four years for a, a big long-term release, just because it's important for the stability of customers' environments, it, it, it's kind of difficult for us as well. So what an innovation release is, is, is almost our opportunity to put new functionality in the hands of customers, to make sure that the feature is actually out in the field and being tested in some respects, or indeed actually used in production, because innovation releases can be used for production work, though we definitely do have customers who are doing that. But we understand that it's, you know, customers, certainly when it comes to Oracle and its use in mission critical environments, are going to be very hesitant about upgrading the database. So I, I, I'm caught on this one, Connor. 
Uh, I would love to basically think that we could do a release uh, every two years and it would be fine and customers would upgrade. But the, the reality is upgrading the database isn't just a, about flicking a switch. It's also about the significant amount of regression testing that has to go on, all of the QA testing, all of the additional training potentially that has to be done uh, alongside of it. So there are so many aspects to a, a, an upgrade that makes it challenging for our customers. So coming back as a product manager for Oracle, I would basically say, as opposed to being just a product manager, I would basically say, we're going to deliver what customers feel comfortable with. And so if customers only want significant releases every four years, because that's a comfortable timeline in terms of repairing, you know, and staging and doing the engineering work and then doing the testing that has to go along with the release, then I'm good with that. Would I like them to be done every year and then have it or, or, or even modeling have a completely, you know, greenfield type approach where it's just, you know, we stick at version 12 and then there's only ever version 12, what is similar to what you see with macOS and it's just constant incremental changes. I would prefer that model, right? But that's slightly trickier for our partners who deliver ISV applications on top of them. And it's trickier for customers as well who like to know exactly where they stand at any point in time. So yeah, I'm, uh, I'm constantly, constantly caught between the two approaches. I've had people say to me, yeah, why can't the database just be like Chrome? Chrome, you start up Chrome and it says, oh, it's yeah. been updated. And I feel like saying, that's a well and good. I said, but if your Chrome update goes belly up, your Mac won't start or you, you can't reach eBay. If your database won't start, that's a little bit more significant. Just to pick up on your point here and just to reassure people listening, innovation releases, giving customers a chance to test them. I want to stress, we test the living daylights out of all our releases. It's more the fact that the reality is, yeah, let's be realist here, customers will always find ways to massage a product in interesting ways that we'd never thought of. You see those memes, you've ticked off every single unit test and then day one it goes out to a customer and they go, it's broken. And you go, well, It works here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, the, the cycles we spend on testing and it, they're, they're unsung heroes of the, any development organization. It's not just Oracle, any development organization. It was true, every company I've you know, worked with, they're the unsung heroes, just simply because the amount of effort amount of compute cycles that has to go in to test applications and I um, mean you know, it doesn't matter whether you're running unit tests I mean there is you, there was so much work so much work to ensure that something that is effectively non-deterministic in nature um, delivers the, the result that you expect every single time under every single condition is a huge 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 amount of effort and for them it is very much like painting the golden gate bridge as soon as they literally finish, it's back onto the same process again. They try their very hardest to come up with new and innovative ways to break the product so that no one else sees that. And I think we've significantly improved that over a period of time as well. We've got much smarter about every test and every problem that customers encounter. We basically then use as a test inside of Oracle to ensure that it doesn't. we don't have those regressions, which even do happen, but try our very best to ensure that doesn't happen. Through the act of working on Ask Tom, I've learned that because someone will ask literally a one-line question and I'm like, oh, I've got to set up a database on this platform at this release level. I set up this particular table. Oh, the parameter, yeah, in it is going to be set up like this. I've got to turn off memory tag. I've got to turn this on and then see if I can reproduce what they're getting. And I'm going, yeah, I wouldn't want to be a tester. No, no. I mean, and it is hard. I mean the virtualization has made that very much simpler than it used to be. But yeah, if someone's running on, has got a problem that only occurs on a VM running Red Hat 7 on a IBM mainframe, 
running version 11.2 of the database with, you know, it was linked with, it becomes very, very difficult for a support organization to do that. But, you know, it's what we promise our customers all try and do. Now, on innovation versus long-term, I'll give you my thoughts. People will accuse me now of being an Oracle shill for this, but I love it. I love this system because I can explain why with a real customer, which was the last customer I worked with before I joined Oracle. And we were running, all, all the systems were running 11.2. And so this, this is well before the innovation versus long-term release concept came in. But on that system, they had, we had a transactional system. And, and all it did was pretty much your stock standard transactional system. It basically inserted some rows, occasionally updated them, ran some very basic queries. So it's just 1,000 transactions per second. It was all about performance of transactions. So that was running 11.204. And even at the time I left it, I think it was still running 11.204. And I keep in touch with the DBAs there. They're moving to 19C. In fact, they've just moved to 19C. And that's the classic example of use case for long-term support release. I'm on a release which is rock solid. I'm not really using any brand new staking functionality. I just I just need the database to do what databases do best, store data, query data, et cetera. And I want it to be rock solid and now move to the next rock solid release. Now in the same company, literally in the same data center, they have the data warehouse, which is populated from that transactional system. That was 11.204. The BI people came and they said, we want to do some more interesting stuff with fraud analysis. There's, I won't explain which particular customers was, but they had an interest in money laundering and fraud. And I said, well, 12.1, pattern matching. And that feature alone justified upgrading. And then when we started running those queries, data warehouse, they said, well, you know, we're trying to get some, solve some performance issues, 12.102 in memory, instantaneous. And then because it's data warehouse, well, how can we get some more, eke some more performance out and also cut our spend on disk, 12.2, online table compression. So in the same customer, same data center, they had a need for long-term support releases, even though it wasn't called that in the day, as in minimal upgrades because they're expensive and hard and hard to test, plus innovation releases. There's a cool feature. It's going to be a transformation for the business. We're prepared to wear the risks of the fact that we have to do some upgrading and maybe not do as much regress and testing as we would like to. But in this case, it's on a data warehouse. It's not as mission critical. And they went bang, 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 11 12-1, 12-102, 12-2, 18C, I think, for private temporary tables. And, they're, and now they're, all their systems are on 19C. Good customer they are. But it's funny how they've walked the two paths. They've walked long-term support and innovation releases even before we invented the terms. Yeah. So, and, and, we, and we do try and certainly the innovation release is, is a vehicle for that sort of change. And I do encourage customers, even if they're not, interested in potential features it is also a fantastic vehicle for doing the engineering work ahead of an upcoming long-term release so if you're preparing for oracle database 23c doing the engineering work on oracle database 21c gets you so far along the path in terms of the things you can basically expect and it makes that transition to oracle database 23c that much simpler Exactly. A real simple example I saw on Stack Overflow just recently, someone had installed 21C Express Edition and they're going, I can't connect. I installed it. I've done everything right. It, I just can't connect. And what had happened was they were looking at Oracle Home Network Admin for their TNS names to Aura, which of course doesn't apply anymore because we have the read-only Oracle Home. They simply edited their TNS names to Aura file in the wrong spot because they were used to Oracle 19 and below. And classic Stack Overflow, they're like, oh, yeah, this product's broken, 21C is different. And I'm saying, well, actually, read-only Oracle Home came back in Oracle 18, just that it's the default in 21. This is actually to your benefit because when you go to 23, 
you'll know it. You, you won't be doing your production upgrade and going, my God, where's my TNS names to Orifile? And the uh, read our Oracle homes is one of those classic features that you know, was a, a customer request. We had thousands and thousands and thousands of customers asking to remove all write activity from the Oracle home. And you know, it was a relatively big engineering project to actually make that happen. And certainly sweet for people that use Docker. Absolutely. You just put your yeah, Oracle yeah. home on a volume and just... Yeah. Exactly. And so it, it's there now. And I think customers will start to feel that, as you say, they move through Oracle 19, 21C, default, 23C, and default again, and really benefit from that piece of functionality. Again, a massive customer request, but something that you can fall foul of if you're not ready for it, even though you want to. Now, the only thing probably more controversial than release cycles is the fact that we now release patches every three months. Rather than put you on the spot with innovation versus long-term support, I'll, I'll give you my thoughts on patching and then you can you can choose to rebut them or agree with them. Yeah. I, I'm happy either way. I'm always going to agree with you, Colin. <laughs> That's what, no, no, I've already given you the 20 pounds earlier. <laughs> so, <laughs> I used to come around to the, the thought of if you need to patch and if things are running fine, they're not. But I've, I've changed my thoughts. And this isn't just from joining Oracle. I, I've come around to this well before I started joining Oracle. And that is I'm of the theory now that when a patch, or we call them an RU now, when RU comes out, I think you should apply it. Now that means you're applying a patch every three months, which is a you know, can be a large undertaking. And the controversial part of that is I think people, it is actually better to apply those patches with not as much regression testing, because it is just impossible to regression test everything every three months, that's just not practical. But my thoughts are you should patch every three months anyway, and therefore you won't get as much chance to regression test and therefore, you might need to react to the occasional regression. Now that, you know, a lot of people, DBAs listening to this will be going, yeah, thanks a lot for that recommendation. But the reason I've, I've headed that way is if you get a regression, even, even a bad regression, which kills performance or your system has an unexpected outage, etc. All of those things, no matter how much frustration and management kickback you'll get, pale into insignificance from you getting hacked. If you get hacked because you've don't you didn't apply a security patch you're toast it's not just your reputation perhaps as a dba or an it department but your company may well be toast in fact there've been two high very high profile ones in australia just recently a large telco and even worse a large health fund dark web people are currently releasing that personal health information out onto the internet because these people refuse to pay the ransomware but i've come around to the conclusion that I would rather have an outage. I would rather have a performance problem than have to go up to an auditor or a CEO or anyone or any kind of committee and say, yes, we got hacked via a mechanism that we could have patched six weeks ago. Yeah. So I'll turn it over to you. What are your thoughts? No, I mean, everyone's circumstances are different. And there is not a single customer that's the same. And I think it's very difficult to force a model on everyone it's the same it's true for life and no one not everyone's the same so trying to force a pattern on how you should live your life is impossible i don't want to get all philosophical about this but it's very very difficult to do that so when it comes to patching i think it does reflect exactly the same i i think for me i've seen some of the pressures that dbas are under on a daily basis and you know i certainly wouldn't want to add to them and um you know some organizations uh, that we work with have 10,000 Oracle databases and a team of 20 DBAs. And so, you know, patching 10,000 databases becomes just cycles, you know, scheduling it becomes very, very difficult in that period of time to do. 
So, you know, we are doing our best to make that process less painful. Um, and there's certain things that you can actually do if you really were to engage on the patch no regression test to reduce your risks inside of that time. You know, you looking at plan stability and all that sort of stuff to reduce the regression that you may you may incur and those sort of things. So, so there are things you can do. So I would encourage customers if they can to adopt that sort of model where you know you are patching every quarter. Now, uh, on top of that, uh, you've probably seen we announced at Oracle Cloud World and we are changing the patching model slightly as well. You know, previously we used to have RUs and RURs. Moving forward from 1917, we're now moving to RUs and monthly recommended patches. And so what we're trying to do is to come up with a model that is simpler and come up with a model that makes the burden administrative cost of implementing the things that DBAs used to do. I mean, they always look to apply RUs and then the recommended patches as well. We're trying to make that workflow simpler and more natural for them. So yeah, I, I would hope that we are getting to that stage now with customers, that they trust us enough to know that the monthly patches are something that they can actually test without significant regression testing. Some testing is always good, but without a full upgrade level regression test. And I hope we're getting to that stage. But, and we're certainly listening to their feedback in terms of trying to reduce the complexity of some of the processes they have to go through as well. I noticed that you've taken a much more understanding and empathetic view toward customers. I just want to point out there's no place for that in this podcast. So we, you know, we, we need to move on. <laughs> <laughs> I apologize. And yes, in the time I've known Dom, that is very typical of him. Always focused on what's going to best suit the customer so that they will succeed with the Oracle database. In the next episode, we'll talk about cloud world and we'll also talk about the contentious topic of microservices. Are they really fit for purpose? Should you be using them? Plus a whole lot more about the database technology future. We'll catch up more with Dom in the next episode. Thanks for listening to this podcast. The music credit goes to Zanman from Pixabay Music. <laughs>